Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. It is the Monday after the second major of the season, T-Box Dysfunction. Alongside the Caddy. Michael Collins. I am the Maddie. This is Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast or social media at Maddie and Caddy, both Instagram and Twitter, M-A-T-T-Y, the word and C-A-D-D-I-E. That is both social media platforms. We started last week together in New York City. Uh, we begin this week separated. You still at Beth Page Black. I am in our studios in Bristol after the second major championship of the season. And uh, Brooks Kepka is now wow. in a stratosphere caddy. He becomes just the third player before the age of 30 to win four majors. The other <laughs> two, you may have heard of these fellas, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, we had about 30 minutes of drama this week, and it happened on Sunday. So let's go. Let's yeah. paint this huge canvas, starting with I would love your reaction uh, to Brooks Kepka, now the first player ever to win back-to-back or hold both the PGA Championship back-to-back and the U.S. Open back-to-back. Yeah, that's the – let's start out this way. The people that are the most mad about – where things are, where they are with Brooks Kepka are Tiger fanatics because they do not like somebody else coming into their zone and being talked about irreverently. And Tiger was the guy who did. He did what no one else has done. So when you tell people uh he wasn't the youngest to get to four majors, but he did it over the shortest amount of time to get four majors and then he's the only person in history to defend the US Open and then defend the PGA Championship and in that sense be holding both of them see that's Tiger fans calling right now they are they, they know exactly what's they going just on. mad they how dare you do something like that but look Brooks this dude has had a chip on his shoulder since he feels like and justifiably so he's been disrespected like, people weren't talking about him. People weren't talking about him after he won the U.S. Open. They weren't talking about him after he won the PGA. They weren't really talking about him after he won the U.S. Open. Again, I mean, think about what there was one talking head who may or may not have blocked me on social media who was just like, yeah, he ain't tough. That's who it is. I knew it. All right. I'm going to insert myself there because you touched on – you were like – you were like kept I hit a that, nerve. You were like <laughs> – you were like Kepka in that four-hole stretch yesterday. It was kind of all over the course. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I first, I was watching the, the post-tournament uh, press conference, and the look of venom in his eyes when they said, what gets you fired up or what, what motivates you? And he goes, when I'm called, when someone calls me not tough, that pissed me off. <laughs> and then the guy, being a great reporter, said, uh, well, let me follow up. Who was it? And he goes, I think you know who it was. But the look of venom in his eyes, I'm like, and you know, what's funny is I texted you, but I knew you were busy. <laughs> I knew exactly who. Like, I didn't know who it was. Like, yes. or, but I was like, it's got to be. Yes, it's got to be dude BC. Is, he's trying to backtrack so fast right now. Oh, he's got, he has but to. This is a, again another reason why some knuckleheads, once you say stupid stuff, is why you can't walk the driving range. 
So like that is not the dude to be talking smack about. Like he is not. No, he ain't scared. Like whatever. But you said something interesting, and I wanna I wanna peel back uh, this layer with Brooks with you with Tiger. You know that I am the biggest Tiger fanatic out there. Which, by the way, one half of this podcast had it right that Tiger wouldn't be a factor this week. I'm not sure which one it was. Um, but wow, wow. <laughs> but, but the Tiger, the Tiger fans, you're right. You know, we live in this this bubble of our guy is invincible. But here's where I disagree. Just because I'm a golf fan, yeah. I love that there is someone now inserting themselves into this orbit of Tiger Woods conversation. Now, yeah. we have fallen victim to this before. Rory McIlroy. He's the one. Did, he's he's the guy. Speed, he's, he's the, the one. one. Correct. Jason Day, he's the one. Yep. Dustin Johnson, he's the one. We've done this before <laughs> because, and I'll tell you why, Mike, because we are all thirsty for someone else that's relevant well, to the game because yes. we love the game. But it and just, you know, it's not, it, this doesn't happen just in golf. I mean, think of this happened after Jordan. Yep. It happened after Kobe. Like, well, and remember how, what a dark time the NBA fell into post Jordan. And this is no knock on Allen Iverson, but he was it. Like, because those Spurs teams were boring and right. po- post Mike, you're like, Who's the, who's, you know, we wanted the next MJ and then thankfully Kobe the comes along. The Spurs were Jordan Spieth. Yeah. That, that, like, that's a great analogy. Yeah. You go, yeah, man. What is he great at? Nothing. Okay. He's just really good at everything. But see, you want to watch him? Nah. No, he doesn't. Nah. <laughs> right. He's, <good. laughs> he's like a good, he's, he's a good generic white bread. You know, it's like, it's good. <laughs> well, they call him a golden child. That's he, what I'm saying. I mean, he, he, there's nothing special and exciting about him. And I was going to ask you this on Sports Center yesterday because now we can further this conversation with yeah. Brooks because he's doing things historically. I believe, and you had said this earlier and you kind of alluded to it, I believe Brooks Kepka is very, very, very close to becoming a villain in golf. See, I and I love that you were going to ask me that question Yesterday, but I'm glad you didn't because of how deep we have to get into this. Yes, and so let's let's go there because I gotta ask why. What I don't understand is why does he have to be the villain? I don't I don't understand why he's got to be the bad. Like, for, that, don't we need a good guy first? Yeah, don't okay. We need a, a good guy, like a good. Here, here. A superhero needs a villain, but first we have to identify. So, who's the superhero now? It's well, look, they've completely flipped Tiger. It's Tiger. Well, yeah, he's, because Tiger's not the bad guy. Yes, anymore. he's flipped a brand. He's the man of the people. He's got the two kids. He's come back from a debilitating injury. Yeah, but injury. he's still the guy no, who has the most trolls. Yes, he no, is. I don't. He's oh, he is, but he's not that. He yeah, he's always got those trolls, but he he is not that guy anymore. He's the smiling Tiger. And I wanted to ask that question yesterday, and I I, I was glad I didn't either because I really want to unpack this with you. Yeah. Because Brooks Kepka is someone unlike anything I've seen in golf in a long time in that he is physically he's – a, he's a linebacker. He's a free safety. I mean, he's a big dude, so physically right. he's imposing, but – now that he's almost, and you've said this, and I'm going to give you a lot of credit for this because we've talked about it on the podcast where said Brooks is boring, Brooks is boring. You're like, no, he's starting to come out of his shell. Just wait, just wait. He's starting to come out of his shell. The fact that two times this week 
he mouthed off in the media yes. publicly about how great that he is, which he should. That's when I was like, uh-oh. He's changing into the guy that's like, you know what? I'm the best player on the planet, and there's nothing you little scrawny <laughs> Xander Shoffleys can do about it. And, and I love that. I love that Xander Shoffley said that. Like, man, I can't believe this dude had the nerve to go talk this much smack and then back it up. Because right. we, are, we are not in a sport where people talk smack. Exactly. Because, number one, who are you going to talk smack to? Like, you're not going to be you're – not, you're not going to be able to say, you know, hey – I'm gonna take Daniel Berger and out behind the woodshed tomorrow. Be like, well, actually, you're not, you're not doing anything physical against him. You're playing the golf course, and so when you say stuff like, "I'm the best golfer that's out there right now," I feel like I am world number one, and I don't. No one is gonna beat me tomorrow. You're like, okay, you're playing the golf course. Like the people don't have anything to do with what you're doing. But where it was cool. Was he acknowledged too in that press conference after the fact in the presser that I heard him start chanting DJ, and that was all the motivation I need. Yeah, well, that's just how he's wired. He he he's the typical. He's the guy that's always looking for something. He also admitted that he makes a lot of stuff up in his head to get himself motivated. That's what I'm saying. He he's cool with being you know almost Patrick Reed like. Like I heard what you he was talking saying about me. But like, I, what are you? Ta- I don't. Yeah, he's the he's the quiet kid though. Because the thing that I learned about Brooks and he said after Saturday, they're like, "You're gonna win." He's like, "Yeah." Is there any doubt in your head? Is there any doubt that you're going to win this tournament? No, I'm going to win. (laughs) And I loved it. No, and that and that's why I go with villain with Brooks, and I hope he leans into that a little more because I don't know if it makes him the villain, but you know what it does to make him a bully? No, it doesn't make him a bully either. It makes him. Now the Tiger fanatics are going to be wanting to jump out the window. It makes him just like Tiger. It makes him polarizing. It makes him – it makes you as a fan choose a camp. It makes you go, I'm in with Brooks Kepka because I love that stuff or I'm out and I want to see that dude get wore out by every other dude on the PGA Tour and I do not want him doing anything Tiger-esque. And he's going to be talking to nah, like, yeah, he's the cocky football player yes. who just oh he's the cocky football player who the linebacker who gets a big hit and then stands over the dude. And golf needs that. How many times I'm here? I'm hundred percent behind you. How many times I'm matting the caddy where we have we been saying they need to golf needs to figure out post-Tiger life again because they did so horribly the first time around. It's not that they did horribly. It's that everybody was a nice guy. Like Justin Thomas. No, you're not going to hate Justin Thomas. Like, there's no I disagree. Reason, I disagree. I think there's no reason to hate on Jason Day. There's a camp of people that don't like Justin Thomas. Of, it's a small camp, bro. That's a little campground. Well, he, look, I like, I love Justin Thomas, but I think that that outburst he had, uh, with the gallery was that in, uh, no, at the Honda when he yeah. was taught, when he got that person yeah, thrown that, out for, yeah, yeah that, like I'm, and, and you know what? I said it to him. I was like, bro, that wasn't right. Like you can't be talking all that football but, stuff. Uh, I guess all I'm saying is that he had, he has already shown in a golf forum to be a little bit of a hothead, which I'm fine. He's I'm not fine a with. hothead in a situation like that. You know what he acted like? He acted like a golfer. He acted exactly what you thought a little thin skinned sissy golfer would do. Right. 
Like right, that's, 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 that's not, like, let's not veer back down that path. But yeah. JT's a guy that that that's likable. Jordan Spieth, likable. These guys oh. are they're very vanilla. Only white uh, guy, the likeable. only guy who the two guys who might be able to be the, like the new young villain. Well, Patrick Reed's not young, and he doesn't necessarily like being the villain, but he's okay with it. Mm-hmm. The other guy who's polarizing, but in not in a great way, is John Rom. Like after you saw people show their stripes on how they felt about John Rahm after what happened at the Players Championship. Well, and I've told you my issue with John Rahm. I think he's he's got, you know, incredible ability, but his temper tantrums on the course. A lot of guys use their motivation and their temper tantrum to make them play better. I think it makes John Rahm absolutely implode. Correct. He's a. I think he acts like a baby sometimes. That's you know what Brooks Kepka plays well angry. John Rahm plays terrible angry. But that's the thing about Brooks Kepka, where he's at right now, is he is going to stay motivated. Like, he's going to, he's got an excuse now from somebody saying he's not tough. Even no matter how much you try and backtrack that statement, he's going to hold on to that something terrible and just go flat out. Like, we got the U.S. Open next. What do we Pebble say Beach, about He's it, probably going to win. Well, see, and what do we, what do we say? No one has ever three peated. Someone has three peated. Oh, that's right. Oh, uh, Willie Anderson. Nineteen oh three, nineteen oh four, nineteen. Who's on, correcting you there? Look here, hold on. Yeah, look at this. Put this on. My boy Steve Demeglio from USA Today. Yeah, Willie Anderson uh, has won three in a row, and why I know that for sure is I've already asked Brooks about it. Um, after he won the U.S. Open a couple weeks later, a second U.S. Open, I asked him, so do you know who Willie Anderson is yet? He just started <laughs> smiling. He goes, yeah, I'm going to have to get up. I'm going to have to find out who that dude is. Yeah. So he knows. He knows. And, and Steve, while I have you, I'm, I'm glad you corrected Michael and then it made you put on a headset because I did have this question for you. Because I'm his ride to the airport, so he oh, better he, give he, me good information right, unless he wants to ride in the trunk. He has no choice. <laughs> I do want to ask you this about Brooks because I find it fascinating now. And Michael and I were just having this conversation about this week in the media. I've never heard him be so honest in the fact that he thought that he was the best player at Beth Page, that he had no doubt in his mind that he was going to win it sitting on the lead on Sunday. Is this good for golf that Kepka is starting to show a little bit of that arrogance, knowing that he's the best player walking the planet? Well, I mean, I don't think it's bad, but I'll tell you, this isn't new for Brooks. I mean, before he went to Shinnecock, he was telling everybody – I'm the most confident player here. I'm as confident as anybody. He knew he was he was going to be right there on Sunday. Now, I don't know if he said that in his presser, but he was saying it in a couple of scrums that he had never gone to a major championship as confident as he was when he went to Shinnecock last year. Um, you know, I, I it must have gone over my head when he, when he was asked, do you have any uh, thoughts about losing tomorrow? And he said, no. I mean, in my world, I said, what is he supposed to say? Um, that's exactly how he feels. And, um, Tiger did it. I mean, it's, they're the same. There's a lot of similarities with Brooks and, uh, and Tiger. And I, I think I take away from yesterday. He's got the same mentality as Tiger does when, because he knows where he is at the present moment. Um, when he was asked, what were you thinking after bogey, 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 bogey? And he said, I knew I still had a one shot lead. Tiger said that (laughs) Tiger said that a lot, you know, when he would, uh, when he would have a few rough spots here and there when he had the lead and he would fall back, 
We'd ask him about it, and he would say, I, I still knew I had the weed. I had and the that's weed. Why, when I asked Ricky, uh, Ricky Elliott, Brooks's caddy, I asked him yesterday, too, what do you think the most important thing that you said to Brooks was all day? And he said, I kept telling him, we still have the lead. We still have the lead. And I kept pounding that into him. And then he said, if we wouldn't have had the lead, if something would have happened that we were t- either tied or lost the lead, I don't know what I would have said after that because that's all I had. And But it worked, and, and that was the big thing. But that's, man, major champions and major champion caddies, that's what they do. They just – they they're not afraid of that moment, even when things start going squirrely. Yeah, it, and and if you watched his round, and 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 look, he set records after Thursday, after Friday, had the the largest lead in, in PGA Championship history. So he was he was a record setting historic golfer all week. Had a little bit of drama on Sunday, but I I can't remember minus the heyday of Tiger and maybe for a, a, a brief moment here and there with Rory. I mean, this guy just literally laps an entire major championship field like he's walking through an executive course in middle America on a Tuesday afternoon. Well, he just doesn't show any emotion. I mean, and that's – he'd be the perfect poker player because you yeah. couldn't ever get a read on him. But <laughs> – uh, and I think that, that's – I think that dulls some of the excitement. I think it dulls some of the uh, um, uh, attention around Brooks um, because it looks like – He's not excited, and so why should you get excited? But that's he just don't who he care. is. Right. It looks I mean, like that, he don't care, even though he does. That fist pump on the 18th hole, and he said and afterwards that that was probably the most excited he's ever been on a golf course. Yeah. Um, with Tiger, when he was dominating, you had those fist pumps. You had those roars. You had, you the, know, he screamed, animation. He too? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, if Brooks did that more, maybe more people would really get a lot more excited, but they're missing the boat. I mean, yeah. this is brilliance, and just soak it in for what Brooks is. Um, he's just been – I mean, he's Tiger-esque. Uh, you'd have to go back when Tiger won 7 of 11 majors in 2000, 2001, 2002. Then he won 5 of 12 majors in 2005, 6, and 7. Uh, nobody else has done that. Rory won 4 and 15 major starts. Um, that's not 4 and 8. Um, so uh, <laughs> just – Soak it in. I love the fact that people are going, you know, this guy really only gets up for majors. Like, they're using that as an excuse to not like him. Where before it was like, look, golf's all about the majors. We're all about the majors. And now a guy tells you, yeah, I kind of only get up for the majors. And you're like, how dare he? Yeah, but even he, Tiger said that. That's all I he know, said. That's he what said, I'm saying. judge me by the majors. Correct. That's the point. Like, no one's going to go, you know, Tiger's big goal is to get Sam Snead. No, it ain't. And how many fringe golf fans are like, Sam who? Sam Snead's, God bless you. Nah, not who we're talking about. And you know, you got to remember, and I I looked it up after because it didn't uh, register with me. Brooks has finished runner-up nine times in other tournaments. So how crazy across is that? the world, yeah. um, that that counts in uh, everywhere. I mean, I was there at Honda this year. I mean, uh, we saw what happened at Honda. Um, Keith Mitchell made a great birdie, beat him by one. Rod Pampling in Vegas. Rod Pampling played some of the greatest golf of his life. Beat Brooks, um, so there. It's not exactly as if he doesn't care when he shows up at PGA Tour events. He cares every time he tees it up. He just happens to, you know, give his best performances so far in his career in the four biggest tournaments in the world. Well, I kinda, just think too, though. Now it's like, okay, you got two U.S. Opens and you got two PGA Championships. What's wrong with you at the Masters and the Open? 
<laughs> he alluded to that yesterday as much. He said, look, I've got to find a way to have this carry over to regular PGA Tour events, and I've never had a problem with the best players in the world finding that sweet spot of their mental approach and their game at a major championship. Because let's be honest, as people who love the sport, even someone like you who covers the sport, same with Caddy and all of us, that's those are the tournaments where we want to see the best of the best be at their best. And Kepka to this point hasn't let us down. And the fact that he's got back-to-back PGA championships, back-to-back U.S. Opens, I would love someone to convince me why he's not going to go to Pebble Beach and just absolutely have a heyday. Well, he's only been there once. Um, he's tied for eighth in the 2016 AT&T Pebble Beach. So um, he, he obviously doesn't have as much experience. But then again, he hasn't played Beth Page very often. He <laughs> didn't play Shinnecock very often either. So that didn't seem to hurt him. But this is a different animal. Pebble Beach is going to be a different animal. Yeah. Um, much smaller greens, much smaller targets that you have to hit. Um, the rough is going to be just as tough as it was this week. Um, and I think the fairways are going to be much thinner. And what we saw yesterday wind-wise, there's a potential to get that all four days at Pebble. Mm-hmm. But, again, I I wouldn't put anybody ahead of him as the favorite, um, but I wouldn't put him too far ahead of Dustin Johnson, who was won at Pebble Beach, um, ahead of Tiger, who was won at Pebble Beach, and Tiger's still one of the best iron players in the world. That's what you have to do at Pebble Beach. I think Rory's going to play well at Pebble Beach. But Brooks is slightly ahead of them right now as who I would look at as the, to be the winner. And I just want him. I want him so badly for the for the sport to really lean in to this publicly arrogant Brooks because that makes it fun. And if if he is, the, I mean, Willie Anderson is three time winner of the U.S. Open, but it was in nineteen oh. Something. Yeah, early. It it was in the odds. Early 1900s, which means everyone who is a golf fan now and isn't a golf historian is going, "Mm, and that's pre-Masters, pre-1934. Yeah. So when you think about it, it's like, look, in the modern era of golf, no one has ever three-peated for the U.S. Open. So if he can also be the first to do that, and then that gives him five majors in nine starts – and you want to talk about rattling the cage of that who is the guy who's the dominant force it there couldn't be anyone other than brooks and then hey why don't we uh, even go a next step to the next major the open championship ricky elliott grew up 2 miles from the place yep at royal port rush so i i, I think Brooks has a pretty good advantage there. <laughs> Ricky Ricky knows every inch of that golf course already. Imagine if the guy everyone thinks is boring just backdoors his way into just a, a, a grand slam in the same year and then holding all these majors consecutively. Then you're talking about a completely different stratosphere with this player. But look, at the end of the day, people knew that he was the favorite coming in, at least people that were watching the sport. It's like, don't – I look, Tiger was the betting favorite, but we had talked about it last week. I don't know – why Tiger was the betting favorite, and Brooks Kepka uh, proved us all wrong. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, unplanned, because you were keeping track of uh, Michael Collins. Coming up next, we will talk about Tiger Woods and his week that wasn't missing the cut. We'll get into Dustin Johnson and the return of Jordan Spieth. But first, you know those times when every day feels the same, like you're on autopilot, how you're so caught up in your routine that you forget to take care of yourself. Well... Dollar Shave Club makes it easy to take care of yourself when that happens. Their quality products help me look, feel, and smell my best. I get everything I need from Dollar Shave 
club. And I've been a Dollar Shave Club member for years. In fact, I just got my recent box. I've got the soap. I've got the facial cleanser. I've got the exfoliation stuff. I've got the shave cream. I've got the razors. It is all fantastic. The executive razor, great. The shave butter, buttery. The facial cleanse, awesome. Use them all. I love them. It helps me look my best when I'm getting ready for work. And the body wash. Collins probably doesn't use the body wash as much, but boy, I love using that Dollar Shave Club body wash. And right now, you can get a Dollar Shave Club starter set for just $5. It comes with everything you need for a great shave. The executive razor, shave butter, and face cleanser. You can even add on groundskeeper to your order, too. Get your starter set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash Maddie. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Maddie. Coming up next, we revisit Tiger. We talk about the return of Jordan Spieth, and we actually give you some behind the scenes on how today's podcast even happened. That's next on Maddie and the Caddy. All right, welcome back to Maddie and the Caddy, a day after the PGA Championship. We are taping this Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We appreciate the download uh, and listen, please rate, please tell your friends about it, uh, please help keeping grow the show. All right, so Tiger Woods missed the cut, never really had it going. He missed fairways quite a bit on Friday when he needed the oh. most. He he couldn't get a good uh, read he on the green. Worse. Couldn't get he got read on worse. The green. Okay, so let me ask you that he couldn't get reads on the green. Nothing. So why did people you and others think that Tiger was just going to roll out of bed? Get one practice round in and compete I at this tough tournament. That is not what I said, and it is not what I predicted. <laughs> so do not throw me in that. I, well, I, 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 I caged myself and said, and others. Yeah, you better just say only others. That was the thing. I was confused by people who thought that he was just going to show up and be able to contend. But that's – it's Tiger Woods. People feel that way about him. they like, he don't need warm-up. He don't need practice. Everybody needs warm-up and practice. And then he got here early, and – he might have even overprepared, which he was feeling under the weather on Wednesday and didn't come to the golf course. The irony was he was supposed to play a practice round with Harold Varner III, who ended up taking three hours to play nine holes, and he did it by himself, and he said it paid off, and that's part of the reason why he made it to the final group on Sunday. As far as Tiger goes, you cannot take four weeks off after winning the Masters and just show up and be like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, no it, kidding. It just doesn't work that way. And you know what else hurt Tiger? Playing with Brooks. Brooks beat him by 17. I never want to hear anybody talking that whole, the intimidation factor for Tiger's back. He's going to show these young guys and they're going to step on the tee with him and be afraid. No, they not. Brooks smashed him. Yeah, but I don't think that has face. anything to do with it. I don't – it does have something to do with it. You know why? why? Because on Friday, Tiger hit three fairways. You know the only statistic where he improved? Distance, which means he was trying to catch Brooks off the tee. Yeah, okay, but okay. Yes, he was. There's no debate there. But yes! I, but, I, but, but listen, I believe that in situations like that with the way Tiger Woods is wired, that – I was hoping him being paired with Brooks and Molinari, the three guys that held all three majors that have gone back and forth at the Open Championship, Brooks and Tiger at the PGA, Molinari, Brooks, Tiger, all those guys at uh, the Masters. I was hoping that would almost band-aid 
Tiger's rustiness because he knew that he was in a setting that he was just in with these two players at Augusta and that it would help cover up what was going to be inevitable, which was sloppy golf. Well, and- here's the thing. He looked fantastic. He was Ranger Rick again. Tiger looked, he was, he did his impression of Ranger Rick, which means on the driving range, the dude didn't miss a shot. He looked fantastic. Smooth, silky. I mean, the tempo was perfect. The funny thing is, I think his game plan on Thursday was stay smooth at all costs. So he knows don't miss left, stay nice and smooth. But he got too smooth. On yeah. that. Remember, he started on 10. Yep. And because he got too smooth and so slow, he blocked it way, way right. right. Yeah, Over and- into the peeps. And that was that was like, that is a, pro- a product of knowing you're pumped up with adrenaline, playing with the two other major champions, but not being in a position to control it because it's been a month since you felt that. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with Tiger, you. Tiger, he just couldn't. He couldn't beat that, and so then by Friday, and and the other thing that he did on Thursday was the first two wedges that he had in his hand, he flew them over the greens. And this is the one golf course, you stay below the holes at all costs. At all costs. The first thing to go is your feel when it comes to 100 yards and in. So the fact that he pumped the pitching wedge over the back of both greens on the first in the first hole the 10th costing him a double bogey and then on the par five later on in the round costing him a shot at birdie like that was all we needed to see you but you know what that is though that's lack of preparation that's no that's that's just that's straight he was here early and practicing so he knew the golf well by that i mean there's there's rust involved like there's just there's lack of pre-tournament preparation to get that feel back with your touch yeah, and you can't – here's the problem. No matter how much you practice on a major championship golf course, you can't simulate adrenaline. The only place that you can practice for that is in a tournament, and that ain't practice. That's playing tournaments. But, see, this is where the silver lining comes in. The silver lining comes in for Tiger is that because he missed the cut, he's playing Memorial. Because, see, if he would have made the cut here and been in contention going into Sunday – that all of the walking on this golf course and in the temperatures and conditions that especially were here on Sunday, mm-hmm. if he wasn't ready after the Masters to play in an event before the U.S. Open, there's no chance his body's going to be ready to play at the Memorial if he plays all four days. Now he has that extra recovery time, and I also think he's motivated now. Yeah. Because no one likes to get a behind whooping like that. Okay, but I will say this about what Tiger just did. And I, I'm going to blanket statement say it, and then let you let you yell at me about it, <laughs> and then I'll 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 explain it further. Back it I, up. Yeah, I don't I don't think he cares about this week. What? I don't. I really don't. Really? Because he went into his post round press conference and said, "Hey, look, I came here as the Masters champion. I really believe this is my honest belief that he was so worn out." Physically and mentally, he knew that he could show up at the next major as the Masters champion, still be the story, take that house money from Augusta, and let be what what happened. I really to say he didn't care. I know that that's a strong because he does. He's a competitor, but he has in his back pocket, Collins, the greatest golf story of the year, regardless of what happens going forward. Oh no no, and he knew nope. that. Nope. 
See, he might have thought that coming into the week, but now what Brooks is doing, and okay, what he's done, but it changed. So it's it is now. There's no question it's evolved, and you said it perfectly. He's now motivated, and I a hundred percent agree with you. But I, I don't think know going that in, he came into the week thinking, eh, I don't really whatever with this week. No, I think he was going to let. I think he was going to whatever happens happens. I really believe that. What? Because I've said this I before. Think, what else did he need to prove after the after the Masters? To me, well, here's the thing, though. He's not going to show up at a place and think to himself, "Nah, I'm really not here to win." I think. I think what he thought was, "You just show up, and we'll figure it out when I get there." No, well, that that's, once, that's once, part once of it. Balls, I mean, on Thursday, once balls in the air, I figured out that that's part I'm of Tiger it. Woods, and that's what look. I taught Fulton Allen, a buddy who's won. All over the world. It was like, the Tiger don't need to warm up. He can just show up. No. What? What are you talking about? Like, you drank that Kool-Aid too? Yeah, but I don't believe Tiger believes that. I think that he knows with his body and his age. I think he did a little bit. I think he, I, I, the way that he went into it is like, because I just, I listen to people's answers and try to, in, in, in their interviews. And he, Tiger will give you enough when he just kept bringing up on the Masters champion. And when he was stopping and taking pictures with everyone after he missed the cut and smile and doing his thing, it's like, all right, this guy knows he got what people said he wasn't going to be able to get. He gambled. He knowingly gambled not playing going in to the PGA Championship, and he knowingly gambled with his preparation, and he probably knew in the back of his mind that if I show up and my body feels good, I could probably compete. But if I do and I don't, I'm good. Then I can reset for the U.S. Open. I honestly believe that's what happened with Tiger. I don't know, man. He, I this is the new Tiger, so it is strange in a sense knowing the old Tiger to see him smiling and taking pictures after missing the cut. But inside, the old dude's still there. Like that fire and that. I think inside he felt exactly like Harold Varner felt. Where he said straight up, watching what Brooks Kepka was doing kind of pisses me off a little bit. And I think they did Tiger too. I don't care if there was no part of Tiger Woods that was playing with Brooks Kepka and seeing what Brooks Kepka was doing that was okay with it. And you know where you knew oh. that was the case? You knew that was the case when they asked Tiger about it. Like he answered it, but he didn't have the real smile on his face. I wholeheartedly agree. He like, had the smile like I can't if if you asked me this in an alleyway, I'd have cut you. Again, like, there, yeah, there there are two stories here and I and I agree with you. I think there's Tiger mindset pre PGA Championship Postmasters leading up to and now there's a reset of Tiger mentality, missing the cut, no tournaments, uh, pre-major, and watching the dominance of Brooks Kepka now getting into his space. Things have completely changed from Friday evening until Monday morning, and I believe, to your point, now Tiger was, all right, I, I gambled on this one. Now I'm going to have to really do some preparation, hopefully physically, mentally. I'm not going to be as exhausted because of what I went through at the Masters. Now I can reset and prep for the final two major championships of the season. <laughs> this is also going to we'll sound. We'll see. And we're hearing all the people talking about now, Brooks Brooks did something Tiger never did. Like, that's right, another, it's all there. That's another little happy motivational thing. Unfortunately, though, just because now, this is the thing with the 43-year-old who's had all these back surgeries and now has spinal fusion. His body does not care how his mind feels. 
Like, that's right. Oh, like I'm offended that they're talking all the smack. Uh, yeah, what you gonna do about it? Nothing. You can't. know why? Because you can't go to the gym extra. You can't go do those extra reps out on the on the uh, practice tee box and do all. That's that's where Tiger. That's the problem right now. With you're gonna feel the same way that you used to, but your body doesn't care and isn't gonna let you do what you think might be necessary to get back into that contending spot where you were in a major now i i think it was a throwaway form i think it was all right the, we'll see what of happens the majors i think this is the I, of the majors i i honestly believe after he won the masters this was the throwaway major form it's funny to say throwaway major i know knowing how much majors mean to him especially if you're trying to catch the guy whose tournament we're going to see him at next because he, no matter how great tiger plays at memorial he can win Jack's tournament and shake his hand. Doesn't count as a major. Nope. Isn't getting him one step closer. It's about, he stays on that number 15. It's about repetition now, and it's about preparation. I wholeheartedly agree with you that it has now changed this morning, but at least leading into the week. But let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Let's say Tiger goes to Memorial Contends and is, is let's say, in that final group on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And now he's grinding to try and get that win. How much damage does that do for him now you only got an extra week to prepare for the U.S. Open? I've, I'll say the same thing with him. I He's going to compete to win, but I honestly believe that this guy at least a little bit has been recalibrated in the fact that he's now conscious of the bigger picture ever more so than he's ever been. I mean, he, he, said, he said as much. And so he's going to compete to win. Um, I don't think that he's going to over-exhaust himself to win because we saw this become an issue in the early part of the season with the weather out in L.A. and everything that he had to deal with. Right. He's been slapped in the face too much of his new reality, and he's going to enter tournaments. Now, he always says, I enter to win. Fine. We Half of us believe that. Half of us don't. <laughs> right. But he's going to show up. He's going to play Tiger Golf, and if he happens to be there, oh, it was like the match play. It was like the match play thing where I said he threw the four-foot putt. He yeah. did as much as he needed to do to show people that he was in good form, but he knew damn well he didn't want to play 36 more holes, and he was like, right. oops. Hey, same, <laughs> same thing. Yeah, That's a pool shark. Just You want to keep him on the line. It's kind yeah. of fun. But it's funny that the guy, now we're talking about what his body can and can't handle when it comes to it with Tiger Woods. See, now that's funny because it's back pain, which as a guy who carried a golf bag for 10 years, I'd be lying if I didn't say I had back pain too, and – I know it'll also sound weird, but you know what? The one thing that helps with back pain is hanging upside down. And I know that sounds weird, but it's true, and it also helps your golf game. The reason that I know is because we had something out on tour called an inversion table. Mm -hmm. And this inversion therapy, it uses gravity in your own body weight. It kind of helps not decompress, but it helps realign your spine, and it releases all the tension in your shoulders and neck. I used to use it every day. Before a round and after a round. And trust me when I tell you, it really helped. Well, there is something called the teeter inversion table. And if you use this thing every day, not only will you feel better, but there were participants in a study by Golf Test USA. They showed improved results in their golf game. They got a 10% increase in drive distance, a 16% increase in accuracy, and they averaged three fewer strokes around. Now, if you tell me as a golfer you don't want to have three fewer strokes around, I'm going to say you're not a golfer and you're a liar 
But <laughs> it's as simple as this. Teeter inversion tables. They have thousands of reviews on Amazon. They got an average 4.9 star rating. And now there's a special offer just for our audience. For a limited time, you can get $70 off a teeter inversion table plus $100 worth of bonus accessories when you go to teeter.com slash caddy. Teeter.com slash caddy. You'll also get free shipping. Free returns. It's a 60-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. You know what? Try it. Tell me you don't feel better. Tell me your golf game doesn't get better, and then, fine, send it back. You know, send it back. You can only get $70 off a Teeter Inversion Table plus free bonus accessories and free shipping by going to teeter.com slash caddy. That's T-E-E-T-E-R dot com slash C-A-D-D-I-E. Your back will thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something here, and I your segue was so damn good. I didn't realize till halfway through that we were in a commercial that you no. were doing a library. Collins, that was probably in fact producer Andrews here. I would like to clip that off and send that to Segway Schools. <laughs> I literally had no. I was about ready to give you. Hold on, (laughs) I got to give some credit here. I was on Golik and Wingo this morning. Yeah, and Trey Wingo did two segue reads that just made me sit down. It just made me sit down, and I said, I even said to him on the air, I was like, "Look, I know the NBA just has MVP ballots, but I want to put you on the MVP segue ballot right now." I mean. Michael, that was incredible. I was about ready to hop in and be like, man, what the hell do you know about Tiger hanging up upside down? And I'm like, oh, wait, he's in his scheduled read for Teeter. (laughs) You know what? Whatever happens for the rest of your day, I want you to have an extra beverage on the flight knowing you just killed a segue on our podcast. Uh, Since I'm in first, I get free one, so I'll drink one for you. All right. A couple of other things before we get out of here. First, I want to not not talk about Jordan Spieth, and his return to the conversation, I've genuinely felt bad about how his game has just gone awry. He says slump's over. Yeah, so to see him up there, I love it. He uh, he made the most amount of feet in putts, I believe, for the week. He was number one in, in the distance of putts made overall, which is good because, you know, at some point, at some point – there was some people that were using some bad words when it come to his putting. Rhymes with kips, you know? Yeah. So, but for me watching Jordan Spieth, I think what Brooks Kepka is doing has taken so much attention and pressure off Jordan mm-hmm. Spieth. And Tiger. Yeah, but for Jordan now, it gives, it freed him up. That everyone now, no one is going to Jordan Spieth going, hey man, what's going on? We're waiting. When you going, when you going to do that thing? Nobody's, everybody's waiting for you to do. Now everyone's like, hey man, it's all Brooks. Then yesterday was the, <laughs> Saturday. Saturday was one of the first times Jordan came off the golf course and nobody mugged him. Okay. Yeah, great. I'm glad you brought that up because what did we just say earlier? You know what, what happened to, and I, think that it happened to both Rory and Jordan. They were both thrust into that he's next spotlight after yep. Tiger. And the 
struggles that every golfer has at some point of their career were manifested a little bit more because we were focused solely on them because of their dominance at an early age. I think Jordan, he's 25 years old, you know, and so he hasn't even hit the prime of his career. Yeah, but it seemed like Jordan's Jordan had a much, I guess, I don't know if prolific is the right word, but it seemed like Jordan had a faster rise to prominence and stayed there more consistently than what Rory did. And yet when Jordan fell off, he, he put the most, he put more pressure on himself than outside people did on him. Where, and what I mean by that is when Jordan, Jordan looked like he was started carrying baggage. Where in like 2015 when he was dominating, he didn't, the, the best thing, the best thing I heard was, it's easy to play great golf when you don't care, and it's really hard to play great golf when you care. And Jordan, once he started missing some putts, started caring a lot and really struggled. Well, and Jordan came out of nowhere. He won the qualifying kind of. He won the qualifying tournament the week before the Masters to get in that Masters where he dueled with Bubba Watson, and that was when everybody who didn't know golf or watch golf critically got introduced to Jordan Spieth. Yeah, but he won the he John won- Deere holding out to go to the open chant. Like, he wasn't in the open. But he, he, hold- but he was – look at the two tournaments we just mentioned. John Deere and, like, the Shell Houston Open or whatever it was at the time. No one's watching those tournaments that, are, that aren't, like, golf nerds. And so – and then he shows up in duels with Bubba Watson, who had already won a major, who had already won a Masters. And all of a sudden, like, this Jordan Spieth kid. And then he comes back and wins the Masters the next year. And then, boom. Rocket ship, 2015, one of the greatest years we've seen in golf. Yeah, it's very, very true. And the thing about Jordan, too, that everyone talked about was, and we talked about it earlier, what does Jordan do that's great and awesome? Hmm, nothing, nothing really. Nope. Other than when he was going through that run, he made every putt, it felt like. If he had a 20-footer to save par, it was going dead center with the perfect speed. And you could tell in the way that he looked and the way that he walked, he thought that too. And then he went through a period when he looked the exact opposite. But you know what? Like, that's golf. The only thing is, every other golfer doesn't hit stratospheric proportions like Jordan Spieth did in 2015. So they don't carry quite the same baggage that he was weighted down with when things went I'm going to say regular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. It, it. That's what everyone is freaking out. It's like Jordan Spieth didn't go struggle. Jordan Spieth went golf. Right. He just went normal golfer. He went normal golfer. Now, can he get back to the stratosphere spot that we saw him before? I'm going to say no. That was unworldly. I mean, that year that he had was that's tough for anybody. Yeah, can do I believe Jordan can win another major? Absolutely, no question. He'll win. And another I Masters. know he can win tournaments yeah. again too. I don't know that he's gonna do Masters, Open Championship, U.S. Open. I I don't know that he's gonna be able to do that. And until Brooks Kepka has a hiccup, I don't know that. Jordan's going to be able to take a PGA championship. I think he can, and I think at some point Jordan will complete the career grand slam. I think he will win a PGA championship at some point. 
I don't necessarily know if it'll be at Harding Park next year, mm-hmm. but I think at some point it does happen just because, like you said, he is so young and still motivated. And the, the good thing for Jordan is even though he's newly married and at some point he's going to be starting a family, he's got such a solid base at home yep. that I don't think that will affect him nearly as much as it will when Rory starts his family. Yeah, they're the young guys. I mean, and we're still waiting for Ricky. There are so many now. I'm telling you, at some point, as we wrap up here on Maddie and the Caddy, at some point people are going to start rooting against Brooks because they want to see Rory get one. <laughs> they want to see Rory get his career grand slam at the Masters. They want to see Jordan get his at the PGA Championship. And, Dan, they just want to see Ricky and win Phil, one. Like, what if Phil contends at the U.S. Right. Open? Hey, this is the one thing about Brooks, though. We know he ain't getting married anytime soon. No, we saw that. Look, that kiss. <laughs> you mean the non-kiss. Hey, let me look. She, dude, she <laughs> knew the cameras were there. Did Yeah, but still, like, you saw the arms grow. <laughs> and, we, and Brooks, I can't wait till we get him on the podcast because we're going to be able to give him so much slack about that. Here's man. the thing is, and two, like you knew what was going on in his head, but you knew what he couldn't say because the cameras were right there. Right. It was. No, that's why the look pass was good. He the look pass was like, nah, over look, uh, uh, nah. <laughs> yeah. It, well, and he even she better. tried twice too. She tried twice, twice to and, get that kiss. Man. You won. You won social media by your like first bogey of the day. Yeah, and I, well, that was the thing. Look, and <laughs> your Sports Center anchor co-host L Duncan, I man, she had the funniest thing. She was like, "Let me tell you, if that was me, I would have put nails in his back and grabbed him, stopped him right there. You kissing me right now? I that's was yeah, like, that's the you least. You might as well just like peed on your post. That's like, the least shocking development that L said that." <laughs> Just marking that territory. Hey, this man is mine, girls. Back up. (laughs) Shocking. So for Brooks, like, man. Now, after he won, he did give a little extra on the kiss. Yeah, oh, that was was definitely a a callback. That was a makeup, yeah. Yeah, 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 baby, I told you. Yeah, look, look, there's more people watching now than before. Let me hook you up. You know what I mean? When she she brings that back, which inevitably she will. What? That happened last night. He's going to be like, what are you talking about? I kissed you. During the trophy, right when I walked off the 18th green, there were millions of people watching. We're she's going to have the video of him dissing her, and then he's going to have the video right. of him kissing her when it was all said and done. And she's being broke, he's gonna, he's and gonna, he goes, yeah, you remember this? Yeah, he gonna, and he, he's going to slide it across like in VHS format. <laughs> With a VHS player there, like, press play. <laughs> Be kind, rewind. I'm just saying. And you don't need to do the tracking button. It's already in yeah, there. You yeah. Just, you just lay out. You got your kiss in front of millions of people. Yeah. So. She's probably sensitive, too, because when he won the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills, they said the wrong name. Remember Joe Buck Joe said Buck. the wrong, wrong girlfriend's name? The funniest? That'll stick with you. Oh, the funniest was we had I had Joe Buck on the SiriusXM show uh, with Pat Perez a couple of weeks after it happened, and that's how we opened bringing him on. By playing him saying the wrong name and then Azinger correcting him and going, or Faxon correcting him and going, uh, nah, that's his new girlfriend. And so Buck basically cursed us out on, <laughs> on the air about it. But you know what? Like, I'm going to be honest. She is, she's really cool, man. 
she's cool and fun to be around and she's fun to walk a golf course with, you know, and she's, she's lighthearted and she has a great sense of humor too. So I think even she, you know, cause she's on social media pretty prominently. Right. So she had to know as she was walking that golf course, like that was, it was blowing up on Twitter and Instagram. So, you know, it's water under the bridge now and something. Thank goodness he won and did get to give her that extra long kiss. We can make fun of it, you know, at the time. So if he would have not won and made history the wrong way, then, you know, she also ain't getting a kiss at the end, at least in front of the cameras. And it's like that now probably turns into something not fun and lighthearted, which I- I loved it. That was a great undercard story of uh, yesterday. All right, before we get out of here. I still I need- watch Game of Thrones. I didn't watch okay, it. Okay, so. I won't talk about that. I Thanks. need you as quickly as you can to get to how this podcast happened. Uh, Sunday afternoon, I went to the PGA people and the media and said, hey, can I come by? First thing in the morning on Monday after the tournament's over and and hook up, do the podcast. Yeah, sure. Not a problem. Come on in. It might be a little noisy because they're going to be tearing down. Not a problem. All right, you're good to go. Perfect. Even hooked me up. Here's a parking thing so you can come right by the media center. We got you taken care of. Nice. Perfect. Come into the media center first thing in the morning, and the Internet has already been cut off. And I mean, there's no Wi-Fi all the cords are wrapped up. They were wrapping chairs up. The one lady who was working in there, she had, there were lockers that still had locks on them. They already had them plastic. They had them plastic up and they was getting ready to throw them on. So it, like someone left their phone there and it was in a locker and they was good. Man, I'm telling you up in the Northeast, New York, they don't play. Like no. when it's time to go, get out. Like must've been 12 o'clock. They hit the switch. We ain't paying for this. Done. So I'm panicking. Like, how are we going to do this? Thank goodness the Internet guys are still here. And the trailer, which I am in right now, stand. I literally stood up this whole time. And I am standing surrounded by, <laughs> I don't know, 68 Pelican cases, all full of their Internet stuff. And they got one, three, actually three computers. Right now, and I'm connected to one of them so that we could do this right now. And he's probably, as we're doing this, he probably like hacked seven Russian satellites or something like that. No question. So definitely it's going to show up on my Kodak thing. Yeah. I got no chance at TSA airports. No, and I'd watch out what you get to on the Internet. He's already in your computer. All right, so our thanks to the to the trailers for allowing. Thank you to the Safari yeah. guys for letting me come in here. And hang in their trailer for a minute. And this is how nice the dude was, too. He goes on the radio and goes, uh, I'm going radio silent for about an hour. And I want everyone to uh, stay out of the <laughs> Internet trailer. We're going dark. And, and I heard two people call him back. Roger that. We're good. Stay out of the trailer. Only one guy walked in who wasn't Steve DeMeglio, who was gracious enough to jump on headset and hang for a little bit today too but only one guy opened the door um and peeked in but like he's trying they got the windows blacked out and stuff like that i'm actually hey, ready to go i'm getting nervous that's having your house in order all right true that safe travels back to florida great stuff today thank you for the listening to the download brooks kepka is once again the pga champion his fourth consecutive 
his fourth major championship, his second consecutive PGA. And oh, by the way, the U.S. Open is next, the same tournament. He's won twice, two years in a row. For the caddy, Michael Cowell. I am the Maddie. This is Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast. We look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.